You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Down the sideline for Tate. He's got it. Golden Tate is going to go for the touchdown. 64 yards from the rookie Daniel Jones. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. How you doing, Grump? Another Thursday night. Uh, it never sleeps. You know, we have a big weekend this weekend. We have uh, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, which won't be very large considering it's the pandemic. And then Sunday we have a good old-fashioned NL least rivalry game. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, is it? Is it currently still going to be the largest outdoor cocktail party? I mean, it might be. I mean, are there other outdoor cocktail parties happening in the pandemic? Well, I mean, tra- traditionally, Florida Georgia is known as the – the traditional nickname was the world's largest outdoor cocktail it party. It still might be though. Well, about about 10 years ago, the political correct police came and said, we can't call it that anymore. But it is. But, I mean, they only have like 15,000 tickets available. We're not allowed – to tailgate anywhere so it's not like it used to be if there's no rv city there's no boats allowed to dock up along the st john's river it's basically you know you go to the game and you leave so um a lot of the you know the week-long revelry and festivities and and drink fest and all of that is not happening this year it's basically just a game even though it is you know two top 10 teams in the winter will 99 out of 100 Chances now go to Atlanta for the SEC championship game, but uh, it's not the same. It's it's not really it's not it's not what we know as as a cocktail party. Well, this isn't really what we know of as the NFC East either. So Saturday into Sunday should be a nice smooth transition for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So the Giants will travel to Landover, Maryland, to play the Washington Football Team. At FedEx Field at one o'clock, classic. Love, love one o'clock Sunday games. Personally, uh, that's just me. Whatever. Um, but before we get into all of that, there's a little bit of uh, just in between week news. Uh, Will Hernandez, as far as I understand, is still on the COVID nineteen list and still has not practiced, unless I missed it. I have not seen. I have not seen it either. And um, I know everybody. The last thing they see is the only thing that matters. Thinking, well, we don't need him anymore. That is one hundred and fifty percent incorrect. This offensive line, a needs depth. B needs all hands on deck. And as good as the rookies played last week, they played okay. You know, it wasn't all of a sudden. You know, seven blocks of granite up there. So. No, but you know what? I think, you know, as much as ESPN wanted to tell us that Tampa Bay has, you know, the the greatest defensive line since the 85 Steelers, um, 85 Bears, um, I I really think that they're, I I said that the defensive line isn't very good, that this team was all about their uh, linebackers and um, what's his face? Todd Bowles. Really, really blitzed the shit out of a bunch of rookie line uh, linemen, and you know I think it was a good strategy. It didn't work. 
you know, they didn't they did not block spectacularly. They were not um you know, like you said, seven blocks of granite out there. But also considering how much they were blitzed, I think I think it may have been like a record amount, percentage amount of blitzes. It didn't really feel like Daniel Jones was under constant pressure at all. They handled it with a level of pride, I would say. Yeah, especially not in the first half. The second half got a little shaky, but you know, but again, you know, you're getting you're getting towards the end of a game, the play counts going up and you know, it's gonna start breaking down a little bit. But yeah, I mean they played admirably. They, but, I think I think given the circumstances, they played well. I think if Tampa Bay had played conservatively, we might be saying that they played even better. Um, to your point, though, that does not mean that they have suddenly turned an imaginary corner and this is now a great offensive line. It's not. And they, and they're one, you know, one injury away from all of a sudden having a major problem with depth without him also. So. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, right now we are playing with your backup at left guard, um, and then should a guard get hurt, we're looking at potentially sliding Chad Slade in there or some guy from the Lions named Ralph Wiggum or something like that. Um, <laughs> what Ralph Wiggum from, from the Simpsons? Yeah, Ralph isn't his no. name Kenny Wiggins or something like that? Something like that. The, the yeah, first also, thing I thought of was Ralph Wiggum when I saw his name. Well, also, let's even start back that you know you're down starting the season without one of your starting tackles. Whether absolutely, yeah, Nate Solder would have been a left or a right tackle. However, they would have lined up, you know, him and Andrew Thomas. You're down one guy already. How much you people don't like him is irrelevant. He's still an NFL starting tackle. So you're dipping deeper into the pool before game before one. Before game and, one, yeah. Right. And now you're down a left guard. Um, you know, this team already has a first-year center playing. Um, it, it's They've done well considering the alignment they have and the experience they have and the talent they have. But that – you know, it, it is one injury away from falling off a cliff. Um, so it's important, you know, it's important got, that Will Hernandez is yeah. not, you know, even even if he's back and he is not starting because the coaching staff feels that Shane Lemieux deserves a spot over him or, or whatever, at least he's there. This is what I we, we said earlier in the week, you know, right after the game on, on Monday night. Jesus Christ, was that this week? This week feels like it's been 88 days long. Um, <laughs> that's what we said, right? Is that, you know, at, at worst case scenario, you have two guards that are good enough to play. You know, that that's the worst case scenario. If Shane Lemieux is better than Hernandez or if Hernandez regains his starting spot, that's the worst case scenario. And that's a good, that's a good spot to be in. Um, on top of that, we saw a little bit of, uh, Golden Tate, um, uh, punishment. He was asked to sit out of practice yesterday. Yeah, a little, uh, little wide receiver divaism is, is struck the Giants yeah. with, with Golden Tate. Uh, and you know what? There are two positions in the NFL where being a diva is, you know, it, it's 50-50 whether you're going to get a guy who is or isn't a diva at the NFL level. And it's corner and wide receiver. Um, this is not anything unprecedented for an NFL player. Um the Giants have had a very mundane season in terms of, you know, like locker room things and drama. Uh, so this is probably the most dramatic thing since the 
what the the bar visit i guess everything's been pretty mundane it's been a yeah and, and the bar visit we still haven't really established when that was either so or, or that it matters you know uh it, it turned out not to matter all punishment was handled in-house the nfl didn't come down on them it was whatever either way golden tate had a i guess an Maybe an issue with how he's being utilized, whatever, said something into the camera that I think every wide receiver says into the camera. Just just saying. Um, yeah, everybody, th- everybody thinks they're Keyshawn Johnson, so yeah. Yeah. But uh, to me – The bigger thing is just, his wife. Well, to me, it was just a classic textbook case of a of a veteran who knows the trade deadline was coming up and realizes he's on a 1-7 team, realizes that his quarterback and his offense is a – a very much a project and I think was trying to make a play to get run out of here on purpose. I think, uh, and I think, and I think the wife, which my God, these, these wives and girlfriends and mothers and, and, and uncles and everybody just, it's not, you're not playing, you know, shut the fuck up. You know, as a fan, it's annoying as the player. It's way worse. It's got to be worse. I mean, when you're in Little League and you have the overbearing parents, that's one thing. Can you imagine being – and he's not even like a 22-year-old in college. I mean, we're talking about Golden Tate's how old? 30 years old? 29, 30? I mean, to me, that seemed like an orchestrated move between Golden Tate and his wife to create enough annoyance that he would get traded or you know, who knows what. I mean, we saw – with Dave Gettleman, you know, if you think we just traded Odell Beckham just because of the, the contract he had, you know, part of it was just him just being a nuisance and being, you know, a problem. And I, I think part of it, and this is my opinion, was that this was done on purpose to try to get himself out of here and get locked into a team that has chances to go somewhere in the playoffs this year. That's interesting. I haven't heard that theory. I didn't pay much attention to this because to me, this, if that was their scheme, that's you know it is what it is. Uh, it was still pretty mild in terms of you know NFL player divaism. I mean that's yeah, I, but I mean around the league we see shit like this like all the time. Um, it's not it's not necessarily what you do; it's how it's perceived and how it's covered. Oh, I agree. I, mean, I agree. If he does this in Carolina, no one cares. Mm-hmm. You know, if he does this in Jacksonville, nobody cares. You do this. With the Giants playing on Monday night, playing against Tom Brady, you know everything that's associated with all that stuff. There's a, a tremendous microscope on you, and um, you know, and of course that we're looking. The media looks for stories. You know, they can't talk about Daniel Jones twenty four seven. So you know, adds another story to talk about. So I don't think he's necessarily. I mean, I mean, he's had. What did he have earlier this year? There was some incident with him, and he got he got a fight. On the field with the with Ramsey, yeah, right, right, right. So he hasn't been a choir boy this year either. But I don't think he I, ever I, has I, been in his career. I think he's been the no. same level, like super low level diva that that a lot of wide receivers are. I don't, I don't right. think. I mean, like he's not a major trash talker, but he's also, like you said, not a choir boy. I, I don't think right. anyone actually perceived him that way. The same way they don't perceive him as as you know a, a major problem. And I don't think he is a major problem. I think he is that's your why, run of the mill NFL wide receiver. And that's also probably one of the reasons why they didn't get rid of him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. They may, just because you try to create something doesn't necessarily mean that the Giants are going to take the bait. 
And quite frankly, there's no reason for the Giants to take the bait this year. I mean, he has no trade value. What you get? What do you get for him? Maybe, maybe a sixth or seventh. I mean, nothing. I mean, I think there were some reports that they were kind of taking some calls, but nothing ever happened from it. Yeah. Um, do you want to? Do you want to impede Daniel Jones' progress even more this year by giving you know? Taking away his quote-unquote number one receiver? I, I don't think so. I mean, we'll deal with the contract situation in the offseason. You know, we have a chance to maybe draft somebody or sign someone or, or, or trade or do something. But right now, you know, there's more value for him just to stay here for no other reason just to make the transition to next year smoother. So yeah, that's all I kind of took of all that. Yeah, um, regardless, uh, that doesn't stop the – Rumors from flying when the Giants picked up Dante Pettis on waivers. Dante Pettis is a somewhat comparable wide receiver in some sense, uh, in terms of you know attributes and skill set. Right? I mean, he's a pretty fast guy who's shifty. Usually an inside guy. He's about six one, six feet. Um, he's pretty good at contested catches. I mean, it sounds like I'm describing Golden Tate. The major difference is that Golden Tate is an accomplished wide receiver. You may not like him for whatever reason, but you know he's been on Super Bowl winning teams. He's been major contributors for teams over the years. He's a little bit older I, now. And yeah, I don't, I don't have a real problem with Golden Tate. I mean, I think we I don't either. I think he was, was a little bush, and, I, and I, again, I think stage. But I, I this is not a guy like I. I don't have a problem with him. I, I think like Odell Beckham's act got very old, and I got very sick of him pretty quickly. And there's been other guys that you know their acts just run like. You know, a guy like Jeremy Shockey, his act was old from day one. But his, his act was old in Miami. Oh God! I mean, please don't get me started on him. But <laughs> yeah, but you're right. I mean, it's just kind of like little things that kind of raise eyebrows, but nothing serious. I guess my question is, why was he cut from San Francisco so quickly? What's, He's what's just simply not very good. I don't think he he didn't really make a leap from college into the NFL. I, I, he was drafted in the second round by San Francisco. Um, he's not really being utilized. He's, you know, I, I'm not really sure why. You know, we don't have insight into their practices, but like I can tell you, on game day, he's a pretty much non-factor. Um, I think he was drafted in the second round. I, I don't think second I had, a, yeah, I think I had a third or fourth round grade on him. Um, you know, just based on I was looking through my old notes from 2018 draft from the show. And I don't know that we talked about him on the show because we just didn't get that far down and wide receiver wasn't a massive need that year. Um, Can you imagine if uh, Dave Gettleman drafted him in the second round in 2018 and we cut him? Yeah. There'd be a lynch mob right now in, in the Meadowlands. You know, to get- I actually considered that, but, you know, I, I don't want to go down that road because it, it's it's not really comparable. You know, San Francisco has the leeway as a team that's gone to the Super Bowl uh, to whiff here and there, I think you're 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 a semi-rational person. Saying yeah, that. I'm just saying, you know, the mood around here. If we, you know, I mean, second round pick who who's gone is um, this? Is, it's a very Jerry Reese thing to do, right? Have a guy who doesn't make his second contract from your draft class. That was like what we used to describe Jerry Reese as. He would hit yeah. on his first round picks, and then sometimes we get a second pick out of the draft that stuck around. Maybe, uh, maybe if that, yeah, and that's why we're in the position we are ultimately been trying to dig out for the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, he was a whiff for them. I, I don't know why, and it could be, it may very well be that Pettis is a good dude that you know didn't really fit into whatever scheme they're trying to use him for, 
or just needed a change of scenery. You know, I don't know that much about him as a person or, you know, I don't, you know, I don't sit there and study, you know, 49er film. Why not? Um, well, you know, I'm a loser. So. <laughs> uh, Apparently not as much as one as you should be. <laughs> um, but I can tell you one thing, and it was the major note that I had in in my uh, draft notes from watching his film in college in 2018 was uh, that he is an exemplary returner. I mean, I think he has the Pac-12 record for most punt returns for touchdowns. Um, you know, that's that's a big deal. You know why? Because Deshaun Jackson's from the the Pac-12. Um, and I think that that might be where the Giants want to use him. Or, I mean, at least enough to put in a waiver claim for him is such a low-risk thing, you know, for a returner. Right now... That's the, other, that's the other thing, too, that, you know, the cost for bringing him in is really, what, next to nothing? Yeah, pretty much. So you, you take a flyer on him and don't think he's coming in here and becoming Jerry Rice, but, again, we... You know, the, for the price of a rice aroni box, we got him, and we'll see what happens. So well, Yeah, of course. So, I mean, right now, what is our return game that you can speak of? In, in the kick return game, we haven't really seen much of anything. You know, Corey Ballantyne's been fine. He hasn't done anything bad, nothing to complain about. He doesn't do anything good. Dion Lewis is back there sometimes, same deal. Also, Dion Lewis is a valuable part of our running back rotation on the, as a, our third down back now, especially with Barkley out and with Freeman nursing uh, an ankle injury. Um, and with the new wrinkle we put in last on Monday night, whereas on two punts, we didn't even have a returner. Yeah, yeah. When we do have a returner, it's Jabril Peppers, who is our best safety. Um, and you're you're right. You know, we, we added in... Well, I don't know if this is going to be permanent or if this was game planned for Tampa Bay specifically, but there were two plays, two punt returns on Monday night where uh, both situations were that we had a sack on that drive, I believe on third down for both of them, where it was third and and very, or fourth and very, very long, uh, you know, over 10 yards, that it felt like it was not going to be fake territory no matter what. And, um, you know, we put everybody up on the line with our returner only about, I don't know, 10, 15 yards off the line of scrimmage. We're still Jabril Peppers just in case there was a pass thrown. And then we just have nobody deep. And even though we didn't block on either punt, I believe that we rushed the punt enough to force, you know, a below average punt that both got Giants bounces. Um, so it didn't, it was no sweat that nobody was back there. Um, we may not have to do that. I mean, I don't know. For now, Pettis, I don't think, gets into the rotation as an active player on offense whatsoever um, on Sunday. But I could absolutely see him back there for punt returns and kick returns Sunday. And, if and you know, if Jabril Peppers gets hurt returning a punt, we're fucked. If, if Pettis gets hurt back there, then we just go back to Jabril Peppers at that point. Yeah, I mean, I, going back to the... Um... The 11 men up at the line on those punts, I thought that was great. I mean, that was just a wrinkle. I don't think Tampa Bay was prepared for it. And I think those are the little details that having a guy like Joe Judge and his special teams background kind of brings to the table. Where, you know, I'm sure, you know, let's think, did New England play Tampa Bay last year? I don't think so. I don't know if they did. So, I mean, he must have, he must know something about the special teams of Tampa Bay or maybe the punter or anything where he felt we can get some sort of edge by bringing everybody up. And um, those are little 
detailed things that we're seeing from this coaching staff. I mean, you'd be a fool right now to grade this coaching staff on wins and losses. You can be, you know, the smart person would be looking at, you know, how clean is this team look? Does the team like it's prepared to play? Does do we look like we're a, a schematic and play calling disadvantage? Do we see head scratching decisions by this coaching staff? And so far, no, 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 and no, and no. So, um, you know, the little things are very encouraging from this staff of what we've seen, you know, in spite of the record. I don't know if New England played Tampa Bay last year, but I do know the Giants played Tampa Bay last year, and we've had the same special teams coordinator now, which Joe Judge interviewed and decided to keep. Um, so it may be that, you know, our special teams coordinator noticed something last year and saw it again on film this year and saw that that was something that could be exploited and ran it by Joe Judge as a possible wrinkle to add where he felt that we could get a little something out of it. I mean, also, don't forget that last year, I think against Arizona, we blocked a punt uh, deep in Arizona's end that was recovered in the end zone for a touchdown. That's correct. So, I mean, our special teams have been pretty good. Um, And apparently Joe Judge thought the same way, or at least well-coached to to keep our special teams coordinator around. So, you know, it may be that. It may be holdover from when the Giants played Tampa Bay last year. Nevertheless, <laughs> yeah, um, the Giants aren't playing the Buccaneers anymore. That is over. I'm moving on, and my wallet <laughs> is going to get thinner. But we will we'll have special coverage from Valari Restaurant <laughs> when we owe our good friends, our favorite two Buck fans in the world, a very hearty dinner. So we will have a Patreon account set up to help support <laughs> our fund. Details coming soon at Just Giants Pod on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Um, in happier news. In happier news, the Giants play their. Um, you know, Daniel Jones gets a face off against the team he seems to beat the most. Um, three wins so far against Washington football team, uh, both last year and so far this year. And, and he now, has what? He has he has one other win, and that was against Tampa Bay. Yep. No. Um, yes. Yeesh. Yeah. Well, you know. Um, we'll go down that road eventually, but for now, uh, we head to Washington to play the Washington football team who's currently, uh, in second place in the division, I believe. God, just kill me now. Yeah, really. (laughs) Um, this time, so, so last time, some things that I noticed, uh, you know, I, I just kind of rewatched the game and you know looked over my notes from the post game thing and watched it again and looked for different things that you know I'm sure that the coaches are going to look at. Allen, Kyle Allen's good mobility that was a bit of a problem for us. Getting pressure against their offensive line was not a huge issue for us. It was in general for this game tackling was a problem, and I remember bitching about it. Um, it's been a problem all year. I mean, think about that Philly game. Yeah. You know, the the best thing that Philly did was have Wentz, when he, when he got flushed out of the pocket, was able to do some things with his legs. So that's not a unique to Kyle Allen. That's No, but a, Carson Wentz, I think, is a stronger guy. I think he's tougher to bring down in general. I think even if he's in the pocket and you hit him, you really got to bring him down or else he'll shed it. Kyle Allen, I don't think, is you know as strong. He might be a little bit more slippery, but I, I think... In general, his mobility presented an issue for us. He was able to look downfield and and hit you know 
you know, Logan Thomas for a touchdown and, and things like that. That was a problem that I think they're going to try and figure out. And I, I think that that will be – I still don't think that much of Kyle Allen. You know, I don't know what everybody – but I mean I still don't see a guy who's about to put put a team on his back and start throwing 20 yards downfield every play and win a game. He, Kyle Allen is a placeholder from – not wanting to waste any more time with a quarterback that does not fit into their future with, you know, actually getting that quarterback with the future. I mean, it, it this looks like Justin Fields is written all over it going to Washington, you know, with the number two pick. So um, this game is very important for the Giants to win. I mean, for no other reason. Or actually, if you really think about it, it's kind of a game you almost want them to lose. Oh, almost. Yeah. We're going to start that conversation. Well, already. I mean, well, I mean, you're not you're not rooting for the loss, but you know, this could have an implication for the division for you know, for the future. I mean, it, it, it's one thing to say, well, Dwayne Haskins was kind of a bust, but he also was drafted. What was he drafted? Seven, 12, 13? 17, something like that. I don't Somewhere know. Somewhere like that. Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence coming up are thought of as franchise guys. Uh, I would say that Trevor Lawrence is kind of being labeled almost as a can't miss, and Justin Fields is a very, very, very strong, if not a can't miss guy. And you know, I, you don't you don't want to start playing that game of well, it's week eight and we lose on purpose, so this guy doesn't get that thing. But this. Games like this are kind of like those, you know, jockeying position type games for things. And that's nothing to say. And I'm not at all looking inward and saying, well, the Giants need to tank the rest of the year to try to get one of those two quarterbacks. I, I firmly believe that Daniel Jones is going to be their guy. And I'll talk about him in a couple of minutes. But, um, you know, it, 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 it'll be interesting to see what happens at the end of the year. And, you know, are these games that, you know, Washington wins and kind of screws themselves or, you know, or what? I'm not sure. Um, because really, because Washington, to be very honest, is a bad, you know, the only reason we have a win right now, you know, basically is because they made a bad decision to go for two. <laughs> Otherwise, we could very well be uh, winless right now. They also missed a field goal in that game, too. A, a very yeah, makeable was, field goal. Right, but that was the play at the very end. I'm just saying there were two opportunities for them. Yeah. We didn't play out of our minds that game. We played much better last week. We played better against Philadelphia. We played better against Dallas. Um, Yeah. But this team is, you know, for all these teams we played in the last four or five games, this is, I I, I don't know, this, them or or Dallas are the two worst teams on there. Well, I mean, I think Washington is, you know, a pretty healthy team. Dallas is pretty fucked up right now. So, right, I mean, right, right. In, in terms of when you're talking about what you're doing in the off season to make your team better, Dallas has less to worry about there, right? I mean, especially now, you know, I, I put this out there on Twitter. They are not far out of the Trevor Lawrence running and they could conceivably get in position to either get him or trade up for him or take Justin Fields. And imagine that. Now you don't have to pay Dak at all. You can cut him loose if you want, if you don't want to pay him. And now you have all that extra cap room to do what you need to do to fix that defense. And now that's an actually scary team. That's a team I don't want to face twice a year. Yeah, they, they got to completely rebuild that defense, though. And probably, you know, I don't think Mike Nolan's going to survive his first year, that, you know, after this year anyway. I think, you know, when 
when it's starting to roll downhill in, in, in perception of a guy, you know, and I don't think Mike Mullen's a bad coach, but I just think it's not, this is not the right fit in the, the right circumstance and the right time and place for him. And they have, you know, they have injuries and they just have a lot of loss of talent. I mean, when I was in Dallas last week, you know, listening to sports radio each day for lunch, the, the recurring theme was this is the least talented defense we've had in the history of this team going back to 1960. So they have to completely start over. And I don't know if they're, you know, that would be really, really ballsy to, to you know, A, you know, get rid of uh, Dak and then use such a high draft franchise, you know, making pick on another quarterback. I, I mean, if it's me, I'm I'm saying would I trade up for him? I don't know. It depends on what I'd have to give up. But if you're already in position to take Lawrence, I think it plays right into what you want to do. I mean – What's their record now? They have two wins? Yeah. They, All right, I'm, so I'm just saying it's conceivable. They are not by any means – they're also – they are now down to playing with Alex Tanney, Cooper Rush at quarterback for – I mean that's a team that could not win another game for the rest of the year. And at two wins is very likely sure. to be in the top two right there. That's all I'm Quarterback. saying. I'm not saying quarterbacks are everything. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is when you are playing guys that have no business having an NFL uniform or a college uniform for that stance, you, you the, the NFL is too close in talent from, you know, Pittsburgh to the Jets, where trotting out a guy who shouldn't even be on a on a field in the most important position that we have, you know, they really could. I mean, we still have a lot of NFC East. Interdivision, uh, intradivision matchups coming up this year, where it's probably in everybody's best interest not to, to win. Lose. Everybody's <laughs> just competing. The really, most. I mean, think about it. You know, other than Philly, which you know, I'm assuming they're going to win just by default the division. I mean, we have three teams that are you know are really going to really work hard to get to three wins this year. Look, here's what I'm going to say about all that. Players don't lose games on purpose to I'm, help a team. I know you're not saying this. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this to I'm saying I'm saying this to everybody else because there are people who think that they they're already thinking this. We need to get the worst record possible. We cannot let Washington lose this game. Uh you know, we've got to we've got to outbad them. So I'm just I'm going to say this. You know, I'm not I'm not saying it's a good or bad idea to lose whatever. What I'm saying is players don't play games. They don't lose games to help the team that they're on. Coaches don't lose games to help the team that they're employed for. Um, GMs may instruct certain guys to sit. They may move players they, for, for assets so that a team gets worse so that they can, you know, whatever. That's on a GM to handle. Um, the, average, the average NFL career is about five years. The average NFL career on one team is about three so any player who's thinking about tanking on purpose for, well, we'll be better in the next couple of years, you are probably part of the problem why they need to tank. Unless you are someone like you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence next year or Joe Burrow this year or Saquon Barkley, you know, the odds are you are probably going to get swept out the door along with the rest of the garbage. So the thought that these guys are tanking on – team players are tanking. Now, coaches, same thing. Coaches, they are always <clears throat> building a resume, not maybe for this job. They, they have to prove themselves to their own general manager, to their own owner every year, and then 
again, the average NFL coach has the job for like three years and he moves on. I mean, look at every, unless you are someone there, you know, don't give me, well, Belichick or, you know, Mike Tomlin or someone, those are exceptions to the rules. I mean, just look at the NFC East, look at the AFC East. These guys, they get recycled, you know, time and time again. So if you get the perception that unless you are in a team sanctioned, you know, if you are the Philadelphia 76ers and you are, you know, have the process where you are, you know, from the owner on down, all in agreement that you're tanking, that gets out that you're doing that. You will not have another job in this league. So, you know, however, that doesn't mean as fans, we can't, you know, if we lose, need to be as upset as you normally would because now we're getting to that part of the season where we started thinking about the greater good. And it's a, it's a sickening feeling to be in that every single year, but it's reality. I mean, this team is, if we're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs yet, we will be, you know, for sure by Thanksgiving, which is only a couple of weeks away. So I don't know what I'm trying to say is I, I think it's time to start thinking in terms of beyond this year as opposed to everything immediate yay or nays with this team. Well, the thing is with last year when Giants fans were, uh, I guess, I don't know, 60-40 split or whatever uh, on you know beating Washington late in the year was that both were kind of jockeying for the same player. It was portrayed at the time that both had first-year quarterbacks. Their losing season was somewhat forgivable. Um, they had building blocks in place to build for the future. Neither one of them is taking a quarterback. They're both vying for Chase Young was the perception at the right. time. Right now, what we're talking about is losing so that they don't get a quarterback is a little bit strange. I don't think you yeah. do anything at all in the regular season to prevent a division rival from drafting a player that you don't even Of want. course. I mean, you know we're not yeah. professional cock blockers. That's not our job. I mean – yeah, I mean, if we want to tank because we want to get this guy, that's – you can rationalize that in your head. But yes, something exactly. like that, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, some other things I noticed about this game. You know, Moving on a little bit from Kyle Allen, we'll switch over to Daniel Jones. This was one of the first games of the year where we really saw the RPO with Daniel Jones take off and, and be extremely successful. Washington has a very aggressive, young, and fast group of defensive linemen, especially on the edge, and they took advantage of that. You know, and I think last week that kind of went away. I think that's a little bit because Shaq Barrett and JPP, they are a little bit more intelligent of edge rushers. Um, I think that they don't, you know, they, they play their assignments. In, in any RPO, you want to take away the outside, you want to set that edge. That forces that handoff to Devontae Freeman or whomever is back there for it. God, I hope it's not Alfred Morris. But, you know, that's what that – you want that. And that's why there was almost none. Maybe there was one – I don't think there were any Daniel Jones RPOs in Tampa Bay. But there were plenty against Washington. And there was a big one that faked out the whole fucking camera crew for like 70 yards or something like that. I think that – they're going to keep throwing those in the playbook, and Daniel Jones so far has not made a bad read on that since he came into the NFL, I don't think. I think his reads have all been pretty cash money on that. So 
Yeah, nothing. Um, as long as he's not fucking it up, why take it out? Yeah, nothing that strikes you as like, oh, that was a blatant. Uh, and that wasn't, or if it hasn't worked, it hasn't been at the wrong time, like to take us out of, you know, you know, mm-hmm. oh, that's going to cost right. us the first down. That's going to cost us field position, you know, things like that. Um, some other things that are a little bit different in this game. Um, Tay Crowder, this was like his big coming out party. Uh, he worked his way into the lineup. He was playing pretty well. Um, he had the play of the game, recovering a fumble and taking it to the house. He is out for this game. He is still an IR with a hamstring injury. I don't think – I think he's he was eligible to come back because it's only like a three-week IR. Um, but he's, he's not – I mean, nevertheless, he's not back. So that hole in our middle of the linebacker thing, our athletic coverage linebacker, you know, that's still there for us. Um, so we are – you know, riding with Blake Martinez and some combination of Devontae Downs or David Mayo or whomever back there. Um, but but Tay Crowder was a big difference maker in that game, and he will not be in this game for us. Um, similarly, Washington is without Landon Collins, who suffered uh, an Achilles injury of some nature uh, against the Cowboys two weeks ago that has required him to get surgery and he is on IR. So an already bad secondary loses its best safety. Um, you know, and that just drives me back to the keys of the game from the last time they played was this secondary sucks. Let's go downfield. We didn't go downfield very much against Washington that week, but last week we, and, and progressively throughout this year, we've been implementing more and more downfield throws, you know, for whatever reason, it, Assuming that we continue that trend of implementing more and more of that and seeing it work, it should work particularly well against a secondary that has essentially Kyle Fuller and nobody else. Well, I think as you see, a couple of things. One, the more that Daniel Jones is learning the playbook, you're seeing it opening up more. And I think as you see the offensive line, you know, this little 2.0 version of it doing a little better, you know, a little – Maybe an extra half second to uh, to of time back there to go vertical. And also, I think it seemed a little like Daniel Jones was getting the ball out of his hands a little faster this week too. It didn't seem like it was a an effort to, you know, release faster than he has been in previous games. Uh, I think yeah, in, in a certain sense. It, so again, ESPN liked to highlight him not seeing. Um, some wide open receivers on some plays, whatever. In those instances, it really looked to me like he's only reading half the yeah. field, um, and that may be in an effort to disguise some, you know, poor tackle play against you know a good group of edge rushers. You know, you get the ball out a little bit faster. You make things easier for the quarterback. You just you're reading the right half of the field on this play. If it's not there, then it's a scramble drill, whatever. That was but, the play. That was um, the one when Slayton was wide open and he threw the pick where, you know, it's it, yeah. he's supposed to, when he's looking to the right side of the field and his body is, you know, pointing to the right side of the field, he's supposed to know that a receiver's open and somehow do a Patrick Mahomes and, you know, throw it behind him without looking, you know, 50 yards. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it sounds like horseshit and it sounds like homerism, but, um, you know, the truth is a good offensive line that gives good, long, sustained pressure. And, I, and he got blitzed on the play, so, you know, I'm not throwing the offensive line under the bus either. But the fact is, he's only reading the other side of the field on that one. If if he has a 
clean pocket, I have full confidence that Daniel Jones will not just force something to the right side of the field when it's not there. He would then progress to his left. He didn't have that kind of time. And and again, this is not trashing the O-line. This was a game plan, it seemed like, to have half-field reads, which is not uncommon. Well, I mean, that that so. might be partly on lack of – remember, we went into this game with, you know, how many rookies playing the offensive line without Will Hernandez, you know, and, and Daniel Jones struggling, worrying about a pass rush, all these different things. So, you know, that perfect storm created this, you know, hopefully – and that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, Daniel Jones has no internal clock and things like that as much as people are harping on it. I mean, there are other factors, too. And this is the case where you can see where it's not just him. There's other reasons. Right. Nevertheless, I mean, we, you know, we have a whole episode dedicated to that game. He got a fart. You know, I'm not, this isn't defending anything that happened there. It's just I, I think that I think that the game planning for this is going to be a little bit. I mean, we have a safety group that's DeShazer Everett, who's not really a great safety by any means, and Cameron Curl, Troy Apke. I mean, <laughs> these are he not... sounds like fa- made-up names on Family Guy. These don't seem like real people. Yeah, exactly. I and mean, then other other guys in the secondary, Kendall Fuller, who I already mentioned. Ronald Darby isn't very good. Jimmy Moreland's not good. Fabian Moreau is not very good. Yeah. This is not a very good second. It's not a good team. It's not a very good this team. This stinks. I yeah. mean, we're you know we yeah. are in the muck, uh, and it's going to get to my point about the, the, this game is you know this is a game we we need to win. I mean, we've played admirably against teams that are have more talent than we do, even if they're struggling for various reasons. Like, I don't think anybody will say that we have more talent than Tampa Bay or Dallas or Philly or, you know, even a banged up San Francisco team, but we played well enough to hang around, you know, and we were suffering from losers lose. Washington is not in that same category. They stink. And you, you want to see some results for the progress being made because a lot of people, they just judge on wins and losses. And, you know, you kind of like to quantify you know, the progression is being made. The progression is being made, you know, by the offensive line. The progression is being made, I think, by Jason Garrett and his play calling. I think the progression of the defense as it's getting better and better. I mean, we are a long, long way from that San Francisco game where, you know, the defense couldn't do anything. The defense is playing solid. But, you know, again, we thought it was important after the first Washington game to have a W it, it makes you go into the office on Monday feeling a lot better about yourself. They need it again. And, you know, yeah. this is going to be probably the last time on their schedule, with the exception maybe a Dallas, that they have at least the same talent level, if not better, and they should win. So how does this team react to that? What is your thoughts? React to what? Exactly? The... the, 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 the the test at hand, the, you know, this team, the Giants, we're, we're going into Landover Sunday. We sh- we are better than them on paper. How do you think they'll do? Uh, how do I think they'll do? Um, I still see this as a win. Um, there are aspects of this Giants team that are not going to get any better um, as the year goes on. And one of those things is going to be the running game. I mean, Saquon Barkley is a building block for this team. Good pick or bad pick, regardless. 
that's what this team is built around, and he is out for the year. You know, Devontae Freeman had a great, a, a pretty damn good game last last time. Functional. And he's only... Yeah. Yeah, and he's he's only been limited in practice so far this week. We're still going to be rolling with Wayne Gallman and you know Dion Lewis and God, I hope not Alfred yeah, Morris. We're, we're, you know, that, dealing, that's not going to get any. We're dealing with a career backup, a, a a glorified gimmicky guy, and a corpse. That is our running game right now. The best running back we have right now in the roster is our quarterback. Yeah, and that's that's just the thing that's going to have to be this year. It just is, and that sucks, and that's not going to get any better. Regardless, we've seen things get better this year. This defense has not gone downhill at all. They have the one blemish on there is against San Francisco. The whole team played. Everybody bad has that, a blemish this game. year, though. I can go. I exactly. can go through the whole league, and you can see that one game where teams played poorly. So, but I mean, but the trajectory is up for this Agreed. team week after week, and you know we can. We can say that it's getting worse because we're not winning, but that's it's just simply not true. And it and it sucks because we're not playing very good teams. We're just barely losing. But the the fact is when you look at the tape, they're not the offensive line is playing better every week. We, every week. We've been in a position every single week to win. There's only been one game this year, one, where we were a non factor in, in and that was that San Francisco game, which was just a wonky game all around. But every you know, we we I think it was the last four games we've lost by a combined seven points or something. Seven points. Seven or eight. I mean, we're in these games. So this is a game we need to win. And I see it as a win. I, I think that, you know, the things that we have gotten better at, we continue, you know, it only plays into Washington's problems. You know, this defense has gotten, has been consistently getting pressure with either stunts or just, you know, I don't know, good pass coverage because we're not really blitzing a whole bunch. When we are, it's nice and exotic and it's it's screwing up uh, quarterbacks and, and the line protection, whatever. But for the most part, you know, we're dropping, you know, eight into coverage sometimes and three guys are getting to the quarterback. We saw that. Um, so I, you know, and... and um, left tackle for Washington, by the way, I didn't mention this, didn't practice today, Thursday. Um, he's got a knee issue. If he doesn't play, I, I think Morgan Moses might move from the right to left and then David Sharp is playing. I mean, that's just another thing that's playing into something that we're doing very well. And I think all the things that we're improving on were kind of problems for us in this game uh, a couple weeks ago. I don't think that Kyle Allen is even better than Dwayne Haskins. I just think that that is... They're setting a mood to move on from Haskins or something. Um, I see this as a win, and I'm going to put the score at something like 24-17. For reference, a couple weeks ago, the score was 20-19. to David Sharp, once a Gator, always a Gator. It's, am- it's amazing that the Gators have had varying degrees of either really good offensive lines or very bad offensive lines. But Right. These guys always seem to bubble up and end up in the NFL and play for quite a while, too. So good for David Sharp. Um, I am going to put this game in as a pen, winning pen. I think that coming out of that game on Monday night, I had a, a little similar feel. And again, the circumstances were kind of similar to that week 17 in 2007 after we lost to the Patriots. You know, that last that last Sunday night game of the season where, you know, we had no business winning that game or being in that game and we fought. 
and we competed. And I remember – I had really no reason to play. Right, and I remember the narrative was, you know, they tried. They impressed me. They showed me something. And, you know, that did that help them catapult them in the playoffs? Maybe. But I kind of sense a similar thing a little bit this week. And, again, maybe just a parallel because it was Brady and it was, a, you know, a, 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 a primetime game and all that. But I got a lot of messages from people after, like – I was impressed by the Giants, and that's in spite of having the intense white-hot heat on Daniel Jones and his failing in the game. That you know they hung around. They you know they could have won that game. They should have won that game. Um, but I think you know with the news cycle, everything after 24 hours, people forget that. And I think a lot of people are now turning the page and moving on to this week and thinking now they think about Daniel Jones and all this stuff. And I think we are still building on some things we are still slowly improving uh they mentioned it on on the broadcast uh, sunday night that you know this team fights for this coaching staff there's never been any quit in them and i think that's true uh this washington team is really bad too and i think when you have something like when you draft a quarterback and you bench him that's a lot bigger than just the quarterback not playing. I think these locker rooms have camps. And I think a lot of people, you know, some people are in the Haskins camp and some maybe are not. And I think a move like that kind of changes the vibe and energy of a team. And yeah, they beat Dallas two weeks ago. I, I was actually in Dallas. I watched a lot of that game, but that Dallas team right now is as bad as that. I think they were called the Dallas gamblers of the AFL <laughs> in 1998. They were that bad. You know, they have players that didn't belong on an NFL team playing, and they still don't. But they stink. And, you know, again, if they're starting to get organizational think of, you know, ooh, those quarterbacks look pretty good next year, maybe there's some discussions around Redskin Park about what they're going to do the rest of the year. Uh, regardless, I feel like we're coming in, even though it was, a, a you know, back-to-back devastating losses, you know, deflating, demoralizing when this team is still playing for this, this coaching staff, they're playing for their jobs. I think they're going to come in. I think they're going to win. I think it's going to be gross. I'm going to say something like 17-9 we win. Okay. And let's, let's pivot then since we mentioned Dallas. Dallas is playing Pittsburgh at home. Do we even need to have a discussion here? Nope. We don't have a, we don't have a, uh, a paint roller wide enough to say how much Pittsburgh will win in mm. paint roller. Not even, <laughs> not even Penn. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a uh, yeah. Dallas is not really worth discussing this year. I, I think you know once 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 Dak went down, it was bad news. The defense hasn't gotten any better. Uh, now now even Andy Dalton, you know. It it it's it's cooked. That goose is cooked. And for what it's worth, CD Lamb hasn't really been that good. Their their big their big first round pick, CD Lamb, is well. Again, you know, let's be fair. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I I understand. I mean, all year though. I mean, he got hurt early. He still looks little to me, which is a little bit of my issue with him. I mean, he's gonna mm-hmm. he he looks to the point where I think if he takes a bad shot, he may be very seriously injured. He's he's a little guy. Um, yeah. Uh, you know he was, he's dropping he was, passes too that are in his lap. You know they I, may have they may have overspent for a guy that's like 
a great complimentary. Like when you draft a number one pick, usually it's he's going to be your number one guy. But you know, with the other weapons that they had, he might have been brought in to be like a complimentary guy. That's a good and point. it's just, yeah. all, it's all they thought they were in a position. Well, we have our quarterback. You know, we have our running back. Our offensive lines, you know, solid enough. You know, we have weapons on the outside. You know, let's let's really fortify. You know, another weapon on the outside. And you know, when circumstances change, you know. Again, do you want to waste a pick that high on a complimentary pick? That's well, if, if you think you're going to win, ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Jones. But you know, now they're in the situation they are. It, always, what's past is prologue. This is where we are now, and they have to deal with it. Well, that's pretty much all we have for this game and for this weekend. Um, in the meantime, between now and Sunday at one o'clock, you can follow me on. Tw- oh, I mean, you could you could follow me beyond Sunday at one o'clock. You can keep following me for for all of eternity. <laughs> the, polls, the polls don't close at Sunday at one. Yeah, um, I am at football underscore grump where I'm always talking Giants things and NFL things, and a little bit on Saturdays I'll talk some NCAA things, but only as much as they impact the NFC East, or to keep me under control and calm. So sometimes. You could catch me as always at the Cranky Fan, where obviously we have we have a cocktail party. I still call it the cocktail party, even though we're not to say it, and even though we'll be just me and like four other people sitting around with four Bud Lights in our hands. But it is the cocktail party weekend. The hell with Georgia, and obviously Sunday, Sunday one o'clock, we are playing the uh, Washington football team. Stupid name. Still dumb. I can't figure. Right? Did you see Grump? They may the one of the things leaked out that they may be the Washington Gold. Why? <laughs> there was a no. there was a leak. There was a photo of a logo and a helmet, and it said Washington Gold. And uh, but I don't even. Is there a reference? I'm not connecting. Or is uh, it just no. a lame ass fucking name? Maybe because the government was on the gold standard to 1971. I, that I is no a idea. really big stretch. That's a that would be fantastic, <laughs> but no, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, it's you know we have two, and also Friday night, of course, for you guys listening who really want to know, it's B Tarpon Week. So we got Friday night East Lake Tarpon, Saturday Florida Georgia, Sunday Giants Washington. It is a triple header of rivalries for me. Catch up on all that at the Cranky Fan. If anyone knows what he's talking about by East Lake Tarpon without googling it, let me know, and I'll send you a t-shirt or something i i well, considering, considering half of our followers are probably family members they know damn well so yes so i if, if you guys know what he's talking about cranky fan will send you a signed jersey from their uh their starting quarterback How's let me that? tell you something i'm gonna give you guys a little inside scoop that we were discussing the first annual east lake baseball alumni old timers game for this spring where you can catch Yours truly, the cranky fan and original Eastlake baseball member. <sighs> we don't know if it's going to be baseball or softball, but uh, we but we know you are going to be way, way, way in center field. <laughs> <laughs> but then we'll be covering that on the next episode of Just Eastlake for you. Yeah, but that, for now, <laughs> <laughs> which sadly might have more listeners than this show. <laughs> um, Probably success in the team they're following than this one. Go, yeah, that could be it. Um, we will all we will all stick together and we will get through this somehow. If you want to follow this podcast and so you don't have to find the episodes on Twitter, you can find them on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever. Subscribe there. 
episodes will come to you when they are uploaded, and it's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. All right, everyone. We'll see you Sunday at 1. Go Go Giants. Go Giants.